0: Welcome back to Thinking About It, and I'm Bob McGregor here with Dr. Dave Barker. As usual, Uh, we've uh, missed a few weeks with Dave, but he's back. And we are going to talk today, Dave, about something I know that uh, you and I have chatted about before, that's the pastoral, the thing called pastoral prayer, which in the olden days, I remember it being a regular feature in the church as a kid, I didn't love it. Uh, but it didn't kill me. It seemed to go on forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somewhere along the line, uh, we've, we've lost that. And I want to begin by reading a little rant by James Montgomery Boyce on, on this subject. Uh, and then I want to hear your, your comment. He says, It's almost inconceivable to me that something called worship can be held without any significant prayer. But that is precisely what is happening. There is usually a short prayer at the beginning of the service, though even that is fading away. It is being replaced with a chummy greeting to make people feel welcome and at ease. Sometimes people are encouraged to turn around and shake hands with those who are next to them in the pews. Another prayer that is generally retained is the prayer for the offering. We can understand that, since we know that it takes the intervention of Almighty God to get self-centered people to give enough money to keep the church running. But longer prayers, pastoral prayers, are vanishing. Whatever happened to the Acts acrostic in which A stands for adoration, C for confession of sin, T for thanksgiving, and S for supplication? There is no rehearsal of God's attributes or confession of sin against the shining, glorious background of God's holiness. And what happens when Mary Jones is going to have an operation and the people know it? and thinks she should be prayed for. Quite often, prayers for people like that are tacked on to the offering prayer because there's no other spot for them in the service. How can we say we are worshiping when we do not even pray? Your thoughts?
1: Oh, my. I could have written that myself. Yeah, Keep the offering prayer. We, we need that. <laughs> yeah. God bless the offering. <laughs> Although a lot of churches I'm involved in, are, I'm, I have the privilege of uh, speaking at. They don't take up the offering anymore. They have a box at the back, and it may not even be mentioned. It's just maybe something on the on the PowerPoint that uh, they'll mention the offering and please contribute to the box. So even that is changing a mm-hmm. little bit, which is interesting. But that's a whole other conversation. Um Oh my, I, I, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, he nailed it. Now, there are good ways and bad ways to do this kind of thing, right? And as you said, mm-hmm. you could tolerate it, but it didn't kill you. I've been in pastoral prayers where it basically killed me, and we've all been there. And that's part of the reason why we've abandoned it, right? Because it's not done well. Well, we we we've always
0: been about extemporaneous prayers. I think my pastor as a boy, he was seemed to me he was winging it. It just sounded like his normal voice. Uh, But we're talking about formal prayer, prayer that is written out Mm -hmm. thoughtfully. It might take, you know, if a pastor spends 20 hours on a sermon or or 15 hours on a sermon, he might spend a couple hours on a well-written pastoral prayer. Mm -hmm. And we we don't see that. I don't think I've ever really lived with that before. I've done it a few times here at Grandview, and I have to say it was moving for me, to read a prayer that i had prepared and, and to to read it corporately and to hear the affirmation amen or what have you of people
1: as they were standing and i don't i don't know why i don't do that more often it was interesting there's a, a woman down the street from my home and uh, it's in a different denomination and they do church polity differently but she's an elder in her church which is you know we're that's another conversation but On a regular basis, she's called to do the pastoral prayer. And so, you know, we meet on the street and we chat about things. And it's fascinating to listen to her talk about how she prepares for that pastoral prayer. She's got a time limit. She's told me that. I think maybe seven or eight minutes. And she'll say, I will spend two to three hours working on yeah. this seven to eight minute prayer. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking to myself, wow, I, I don't know how much, I don't know how I could think about it for that Do long. Do you think but, eight minutes is a long pastoral prayer? You know what? Well, I, <laughs> I sat through a pastoral prayer that probably went for 20. That's uh, long. That's way too long. Um, yeah, I would say between five and eight is your pro- is probably enough. I think eight is at the long end. Um, pretty tough to do a meaningful prayer that you're going to work through the Acts formula in five minutes. Mm -hmm. That's serious and thoughtful. Um, So yeah, the length, I think, needs to be carefully modulated, carefully boundaried. But also the structure of the prayer needs to be carefully boundaried. And the Acts formula is a tried and true... And by the way, the Acts formula is loosely based on the Lord's Mm -hmm. Prayer. Mm -hmm. So there is valid validity to using that, that, uh, that formula. What would you say is the
0: affect of the uh, prayer? I know how I felt, mm-hmm. um, but what, what would you say is, what, what are we lo- missing when we don't have the Lord's Prayer that we need to be concerned about?
1: Or, or a pastoral prayer?
0: <laughs> well, yeah, pastoral prayer.
1: Yeah. Um, so your affect, which has to do with interacting with people, it doesn't give a place for people to say an amen, or it doesn't give a place for people to resonate with the fact that Aunt Mary is having surgery, or it doesn't give a place for people to participate in a, in a public confession of sin. And, you know, it's interesting because we don't, well, we say, you know, public confession. What well, does that really mean that each of us are confessing our sin? Well, the answer is Yes. Why why can't it be? And even if it's not the specific sins that each people each person is is doing, Mm -hmm. there's a participation in a corporate notion of our need for God's forgiveness for our sinfulness. And there is a huge affective reality to that because week after week we are brought face to face with that reality, and that's got to start thinking. That's got to start. Causing us to think about some of these things that maybe we don't otherwise. So you
0: get this idea of a pastor leading his people in prayers of confession, acknowledging, mm-hmm. in general, our sinfulness, our need for grace, and you can fill
1: in the blanks wherever you are. Yeah, and you can generalize it. You know, our sins of pride, our, our sins of uh, not being caring for the for the marginalized. You have to be careful with that because some people are not proud. And mm-hmm. some people do are deeply involved in caring for the, for, the, for the marginalized and the poor. But at the same time, we can all grow in those areas. Yeah. So we, we, need to, we need to frame it in a sense that it's not necessarily that we're all here, but we all have propensities and ten- tendencies to move in that direction.
0: So maybe you pray it to yourself first. Oh, absolutely. you know it's going to apply to everybody. How do you think the visitor feels, an unsaved person, um, and there are, there's always a fringe group of people. You don't know why they're there. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're seeking. They're guests or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we don't want to be too religious in our church services for fear of offending or making those people feel odd.
1: But why can't we? Can, why can't we as a congregation be authentic? And I think a pastoral prayer allows us to be authentic in our adoration of God, in our confession of sin, and our gratitude for what he has done and the mercy in our lives for our supplication and, and prayer for those who are in need. Why can't an audience, a, a visitor, an unbeliever, recognize our authenticity? Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we run a little bit too scared of the a visitor that might be among us. When we gather week after week, it is a moment of, well, Walter Brugman talked about the fact that there were three categories of Psalms, okay? Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And orientation has to do with all is well. Psalm 113, praise the Lord. We call to praise, reasons for praise, conclusion to praise. Lament, of course, is disorientation. And But the point is, when we are engaged in, in our church services, we are at the point of reorientation. We're trying to bring people from a place of pain, brokenness, a tough week, whatever it might be, and bring them back into a sense of orientation so they can face the weak. Uh, with a new sense of God's goodness and care in their lives. And the pastoral prayer allows that reorientation to happen. And the difference between a prayer of, say, a thanksgiving or reorientation is that it takes seriously the brokenness of the week, of our lives, and then brings us to a new place. And for the, the visitor, the unbeliever, I think a critical part is to see that authenticity that we are coming to a place of many times brokenness and a tough week and not sure that God is good anymore to a place where we can leave now. And the pastoral prayer is very much part of that in my view. You
0: know, while, while we're thinking about this, I'm, I'm just wondering if in our authenticity a visitor might, might hear the prayer And hear the gospel in the prayer. Absolutely. And it might not be a waste of their time, but it might even
1: be something that stirs and pricks their own heart. Well, that and when a visitor is among us, what are they looking for? Uh, Why have they come? How did they get there? Well, they're obviously exploring a community that they're thinking about might be something that would be good for them. And why not be from the get-go completely up front with those people as to who and what we are? We're a forgiven group of people that live in a world of gratitude, that exalt and glorify our God and Father revealed in Jesus Christ, and that he is approachable to pray for Aunt Mary's surgery that's mm-hmm. coming up this mm-hmm. week. Do
0: you, who, who does it, the, the pastoral prayer? Is it the pastor? Is it like a high priestly prayer? Can anybody lead in the pastoral
1: prayer? You know, I th- I think that depends on the congregation, but I think the pastor needs, needs to take the lead in it, for sure. He needs to be seen doing it. Whether he does it week after week, I, I probably not, because often different voices speak to different people. But he needs to take the lead in it, and he needs, the congregation needs to know that he thinks that's an important part of what we're doing.
0: Yeah, so I would think it would be one of his duties. In fact, I do... I recall in one job description, maybe it was this one here, where by dis- by job description, you the pastor was required to lead in the ordinances. And I'm not sure whether or not it said in pastoral prayer. That was a part of it. Mm. Uh, but it was very important at, at, to those people that the pastor be the one who... Uh, who leads in that pastoral prayer. And I, I think there is a powerful message when your lead shepherd or someone, one of the shepherds is doing something that is of ultimate shepherdness. Like you mm-hmm. are bringing people to God uh, who need to hear from him. And now, now you're going to preach to them from the word. So I,
1: I think it's a powerful um, combination to lead people in that prayer and then to preach. But at the same time, I, th- I think other voices can be heard. So I, d- I do think it needs to be elders who are respected in the congregation who have that pastoral place, because that's what an elder is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so to have that voice um, uh, there, um, this might sometimes a woman's voice, mm-hmm. uh would be a valuable voice to hear. Um, maybe a youth voice now and then. I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I do think it needs to be focused. I, I do think that the pastor and the elders of the church need to take the lead in all of this, but in even in preaching. You and I don't preach every sermon mm-hmm. in our churches. We allow others right. to come through. And um, so to engage a bit more of the community notion, uh, the community spirit, I think, is a valuable thing. But again, I, I'm, I'm back to the point of the pastor needs to be perceived by the congregation that he takes this very seriously. Mm-hmm.
0: And I think one of the things Boyce is, is saying here, there's uh, something about oh, the almighty God, uh, the, the shining of the glory of God. There's something in a prayer, unlike some of the music that we sing, that... Uh, just shapes and adds color to the glory of God. When it's a well-spoken prayer, it it has it's a majesty about it. And I think a lot of our congregations suffer um, a lack of uh, just the dignity and the majesty of God. And we're very chummy, as he says. And the prayer, when you're standing, it's formal. Uh, pay attention. Uh, we're we're talking to God here. Yeah, we've
1: missed a lot of that. Oh man, talking to God. First, okay, and obviously the the reflection on that has got to be well prepared and written out. And I think those others who lead in the pastoral prayer, which they can do, I think they need to be coached. I think the the pastor probably needs to re-read what they're uh, going to pray. Uh, this is a bit of a side issue, but the talking to God thing, I'll never forget. Um, back in the day when we had when we had pianists. Um, the pianist in the church where I was pastoring would never go to the piano while I was praying Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, get ready to go for the song. Right. And I remember saying to her one day, well, why don't, why don't you go to the piano? Yeah. She said, Pastor Dave, we're talking to God. Right. And man, I was convicted by that. yet we do it all the time. Under the cover of prayer, our worship bands move to the platform. We got all kinds of stuff moving on. And uh, anyhow. We'll have to think about that. We'll have to think. There's another topic for another day.
0: Yeah, and we are out of time. Thank you for uh, listening to us. Uh, We don't often resolve things here, but maybe we've uh, put some thoughts in your mind to uh, re-examine where the pastoral prayer fits in your church. Until then, I'm here with Dave Barker, Bob McGregor. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.